what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hey, welcome to the Healthy AF Podcast. We all know that health is complex and multifaceted. Amy Chang and Fran Paradine are here to break it down, talk it up, and learn from a whole slew of really amazing guests. Fran and Amy are both health coaches, and just like health, their practices and viewpoints are individualized. You'll hear different takes on the same information as they discuss all things health, and you'll learn with them as they talk with guests who explore all different areas of health. Every episode will be fun, informative, and entertaining. If you like what you hear, please follow us and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Healthy AF. We're glad to be with you. It's a cloudy Monday morning, I think, where we all are, and um, this hopefully will be a little bit of sunshine for your day. We have with us today um, a guest by the name of Melissa Martin. I'm so excited to have her here. Um, When I met Melissa for the first time, I was like immediately like ding, 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 podcast guest, podcast guest, because she has an amazing story and she's an amazing person. And um, more than that, she's willing to be really vulnerable and take looks at herself, take looks at her story. And um, I find that fascinating. So uh, I know that you're going to enjoy and be as inspired by her as I have been. And welcome to the show, Melissa. And good morning, Fran. Good morning. Yeah, Melissa and I had a couple minutes. Yeah, Melissa and I had a couple minutes to just touch base before everyone else got on. And so I'm really looking forward to getting to know her better and and hearing this story, which sounds amazing. I just know a little bit about it. So um, welcome, Melissa, and good morning, Amy. And actually, it's sunny in Hickory. Oh, yay! (laughs) It's on. It's gloomy yeah. here today. <laughs> oh my God. Yesterday was awful, but we have some sunshine today. So, Oh, cool. Cool. Small cool. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to start just like we always start. Uh, Melissa, tell us a story. You have a <laughs> Any story. story or the, the story? You get to pick whatever story you'd like to. This is, this is your conversation, but you know the story that I kind of want to hear. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, my story is one that kind of starts sad, but it's turned into something uh, really cool and I think really impactful. And I I do believe many lives have been changed in the loss of three lives that meant so much to me. Um, In 2019, I lost all three of my dogs tragically in one night to blue-green algae poisoning. It started out as a fun night and it ended as... (sighs) the worst day of my life, honestly. Um, But if I just focus on that, that was just one bad part, right? Like I had many years prior to that. And and since then, I've had a lot of healing, a lot of growth, and I've had many good years following. And so I try not to stay stuck in that middle, that middle piece. Oh, Uh, I I need to stop sign right there. I love it that you call that the middle piece. Hmm. Because for so many of us, you know, when grief hits, when life change hits, and you're in the middle of grief, man, it does not feel like the middle piece. No. <laughs> no. 
Yeah. No, it felt horrible. I mean, it honestly, in when I was in that moment, it felt like I don't even know how I can make it another day. I mean, I remember saying to myself, Melissa, if you can just get to the next hour and just looking at the clock and it was like, all right, you made it one more hour. You made it one more hour. I mean, it literally became that. And it then it would be like, all right, you made it one more day. Because there were, I mean, in all honesty, there were moments that I didn't care if I made it the next the next hour, the next minute. You yeah. know, I, I didn't. Yeah, the overwhelm and the I don't want to be in this pain anymore. I don't I don't know how it needs to go, but it needs one of us needs to go because me and the pain in the same space is not right. tolerable anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I remember at one point, I I remember the day after it happened and I'm just standing in my bedroom and I'm just standing there so lost. And I'm like, I don't even know what my next step is going to be. And I remember just like pounding the bed, just like pounding, like, why, why did this happen? Like, I just cannot wrap my head around this. And one of the most pivotal things for me in my whole journey was somebody said, How can you focus on how this happened for you instead of why did this happen to you? Oh, I love that. Let's say that one more time. Okay. How did this focus on how this happened for you instead of why did this happen to me? And in that moment, I probably wanted to create bodily harm to the therapist that said that to me because I'm like, there's no way this happened for me. Um, But as I've gone through this, as I've healed and as I've also matured emotionally a little more, I can look back and say there were a lot of things that happened for me in this process. Would I go back and change it? Probably every single time um, because it was so painful. However, I can also look and see tremendous growth. I think it's so funny how things work out because when you kick this off, when you started the show, you talked about vulnerability that year, 2019, my word of the year was vulnerability because I was not a very vulnerable person. I didn't let people in, but so much, you know, I didn't let my guard down, but so much. And that tragedy of losing my dogs and it becoming a national news story and, and being interviewed and all the things I was the most vulnerable version of myself I've ever been. And what I found is that by letting people in and letting people love me and care for me, I needed that and I wanted it and I craved it. And so now I am still so vulnerable. Like what you see is what you get with me. And I do let people in and I do love hard and I do just try to show up as my most authentic self. And that was something that happened for me, Mm. not to me in that process. Hmm. I love that. Thank you. And so coming in as a kind of an outsider who doesn't know the story fully, Melissa, are you comfortable kind of talking about what happened that day and kind of what led up to it? Yeah, I definitely am. So I'll, I'll back up just a little bit and tell the story of Harpo. So I had three dogs, Harpo, Abby, and Izzy. And Harpo came into my life at a point where I was really struggling to find my purpose. Like I was a mom, a single mom, struggling to pay bills. And I met Harpo at a New Year's Eve party in 2012. This little puppy um, just kind of stumbles his way up to me. And, and I knew that I wanted to get involved in some therapy work, some dog therapy work. But the two Westies I had, Abby and Izzy, they weren't about that life. So I meet Harpo and I, I bring him home and 
And he was terrible. He was so awful. Like he was only five weeks old. He wasn't ready to be away from his mom. Um, and at, I watched the movie, The Color Purple, every New Year's Day. And so he doesn't have a name yet. And, and he's just like wreaking havoc on our family. And I was that that scene in the movie where Harpo, where Oprah says, I love Harpo. God knows I do. And and I, I looked at Harpo and I was like, I love you. Like, that's your name. Your name is going to be Harpo. And so that's how his name became. And then. I started volunteering with him. We went through the uh, therapy certification program, the canine good citizen program, and he became therapy certified. And we began working in nursing homes, reading with children with special needs, going to hospitals. We became full-time volunteers. That was what we lived to do. Both of us, like it was just the best part of everything. And um, so this, this night in 2019, I decided to take them to play. Some friends had, had found this pond that they like to play near. So we go to the pond and I was like, mm, they're not going to swim in this pond because that, there's probably snakes or alligators, right? So I'm, I'm throwing the ball with them. They're playing. They're having a great time, but they're obsessed with the mud. They are rolling in the mud, um, licking each other incessantly. We were there for maybe 15 minutes and I was like, all right, we're leaving. Like I'm taking them home. And as I'm going home with them, I noticed the West, the little Westies are panting really heavy. Like they just seem distressed in some way. So we, we get back home and I, I put Harpo in the bathtub because he's the dirtiest. And um, my partner at the time, she said, Abby is seizing. Something is wrong with Abby. And so I, I run in there and I'm assuming she's been bitten by something. Right. So I give her a Benadryl. And I go back to washing Harpo and, and Denise says, oh, my gosh, something's really wrong. Something's really wrong. And so I'm like, let me run her to the emergency vet. So I get Abby. I head to the emergency vet, leave the other two dogs at home with her. And um, as I'm driving to the vet, this thing comes over me. I'm like, God, I think this dog is dying. Like she's so hot. I can hardly hold her. And, and she's just trying to get as close to me as possible. And I don't know what to do. And I'm driving so fast. I'm, I'm literally five minutes from the vet. And I don't know if you're a dog owner, you know that when you get to the emergency vet, you're like, oh, I made it. They're going to be okay. Right. And so I, I rush her back and they take her and they start asking me about where we've been. And they think at first, maybe they she's been poisoned by frogs. And so I was like, well, my other two dogs are at home. Like they were in the same spot. So I call home and I'm like, hey, get the other dogs here. And she tells me that Izzy is now starting to tremor a little bit. And so I was like, get, just get them here, get them here. So they start working on Abby. I go out to the parking lot to get Izzy as she pulls up. When she gets there with Izzy, Izzy is almost dead. Um, I grab her. She is so hot. I can hardly hold her. She's burning my arms. She's so hot. Wow. Harpo appears to be fine. They take Izzy back. I rush her back. I come back to get Harpo and he sees me and um. He sees me from the door and he starts, he starts running towards me. And as soon as he gets to me, he starts seizing. And so from there, we just, we did everything we could to, to save them. I mean, we, the vet was amazing. The whole staff was amazing. You know, we really had no budget. We we're just like, as long as they're not suffering, let's try to save them. And after about, I would say it was probably around 1130. 
we got there around 7.30, 7.45 and around 11.30 that night, the vet came in and she was like, there's suffering. Like I, there's nothing else I can do. And so I went to see them. That was the first time I'd seen them too. I dropped them off to the vet and then I didn't see them until time to make the decision. And it, as soon as I saw them, I was like, it's Tom, like we can't continue to do this. And so at that point, my whole family was there. Everybody was there. Everybody in the veterinarian's office, we became the main priority, the main focus. And I feel like everybody did everything they could. And at a little after midnight, I left from there with none of my dogs. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful story and excruciating. Mm. I mean, you know, for anybody who has pets, they, they're a family member. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like these were very special dogs, especially your connection with Harpo. Yeah, we, we had done a lot. We had visited, we had visited thousands of people. He was only six. And I mean, we volunteered three to four days a week, almost every single week. So he was, I mean, he was my right hand guy. Like we did everything together. So it's, uh, I would imagine a lot of people missed him and we're, and we're grieving him, the loss of him. Yeah. That night when we got back home, I mean, I, I was like, how do we go inside? Like we left here with three dogs and we come home and there's nobody there. Like, how do you walk back in? Right. And so I remember sitting in the car and, and I said, I'm like, God, everybody's going to miss him. Like Abby and Izzy didn't have the presence that he had. He, he definitely did. We did a whole Harpo Saves Christmas national campaign one year where we had every resident and a local nursing home adopted and gifted from all over the, all over the country. People sent presents for these residents and Harpo handed out gifts for two days. He visited residents. And so he had a following. And so as I'm sitting in the car, I'm like, God, people need to know that I lost him. And so I made this post on social media. And the next day, my phone is like ringing off the hook with reporters wanting to talk to me. And I'm like, how do they know? Well, my post had gone viral. It had been shared over 16,000 times. And um, every, I mean, people were mourning. Somebody created a GoFundMe I didn't even know about. There was thousands of dollars in this GoFundMe account. And, um, you know, we're very fortunate that we weren't in a place where we were able to take care of the financial responsibility with that, right? So we took and focused all that money on getting signage out around these ponds so people know that, hey, it's not just the water, it's around the water. So another thing that happened for us is that every still body of water just about in Wilmington has a sign. And if it doesn't have a sign, the owner gets a letter from me with a picture of what should be on the sign. Because People don't know. You don't know what you don't know, right? And had we ever known, we never would have gone there. So did you know when you came home with no dogs that it was the blue-green algae? Yes. Yes. Thankfully, the emergency vet, Dr. Rudy Richmond, um, she she knew. Uh, she had done a case at NC State and, on a horse. And so she knew. And she had told me the prognosis pretty early on that she probably could not save them. But because she said probably, I'm a very optimistic person. And so when she said probably, I'm like, well, there's a chance. If there's a chance and they're not suffering, then do what you have to do to save them. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't I don't know anything about blue blue green algae. Can you can you educate me a little bit about about what it is, where it is, how to avoid it, what it does to the 
Does it hurt people? Is it just animals? Oh, those are all good questions. So I had never heard of it either. I grew up in this area in Wilmington, North Carolina. I mean, my dad took us, we probably swam in areas worse than this. This place looked crystal clear. It was gorgeous. Um, had I let them swim, they probably would have lived because there were dogs that went that swam that night. They were far enough in that I don't think they had the concentration of the bacteria. So science is the the real name for it is cyanobacteria and it blooms during very hot dry months so typically july to like end of august it's pretty prevalent i had never heard of it however the city of wilmington greenfield lake tested positive for cyanobacteria um, in july and nobody felt the need to make anybody aware that that was a thing so i found that out after the fact um, however, it blooms and it starts out as looking like debris on top of the water. So it looks like almost like dandelion debris, like not, mm. not dirty. Uh, the water was perfectly clear that day. Now, the next day, the water had like these, uh, it looked like, I don't even know, almost like cotton balls at the bottom. So you could see it, but you had to be looking for it. Now, by two to three days later, you could see these mats all over the bottom, like these blooms, I guess you would call them. They were never green, which is crazy. If you Google blue-green algae, it shows a green pond. It doesn't look like that. Very misleading. Um, so it, it forms in. It does affect animals more than humans. However, it, they don't know the long-term effects on humans. I was sick for... A couple of weeks following the death, um, doctor said it was a uh, broken heart syndrome. So I don't know. However, the vet staff was also sick. So and, and we all handled the dogs, um, me more so than anybody else with no protective equipment. Right. And I'm crying and wiping my face. And so I don't know. But we were we were sick for a few weeks. Uh, digestive issues, horrible headaches. Um, so they don't know long term effect, I would say. It can affect everybody, though. How can it not? Harpo was 70 pounds. Yeah, right. Right. So this was in the mud that they were playing in? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And it's, so is it everywhere in North Carolina, or is it specifically coastal? It is worldwide. Like, I got messages from people in Portugal, in Mexico. Like, you wouldn't believe everywhere. So that same summer, so I had the biggest loss, right? There were there were six dogs that died in the United States in August of 2019. Um, and so I became the poster child for, for, for blue-green algae. Um, but, yeah, it's everywhere. It's anywhere where it's dry and hot. It can happen anywhere. The main culprit of this is uh, fertilizer, pesticides. So anywhere there's any types of um, development where there could be runoff, uh, the heat and the drought is just the perfect storm for these pesticides to cause these blooms. So if you go out in the middle of nowhere, you probably wouldn't have the issue. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's a... a crazy story but I you know I like I like the the way your therapist phrased that for you you know what because because this happened there's so many things that have come from this heartbreak there's so many things that you have learned so many things that you've been able to teach other people um 
you know, that you, we always hope that something will come from a horrific incident. Um, and it sounds like you have been able to, to figure out how to use this in a way that educates people um, and hopefully brings you some sort of comfort. Yeah, I do have that now. I do. It took a little while. But, oh, of course. Um, so yeah. let's do top three, Melissa. Top three silver Ooh. linings that this, the whole experience, you know, because it, it wasn't just, hey, my three dogs died suddenly. It was also, you know, I had two dogs that I loved. And then I had this dog that um, was a different kind of connection who impacted a lot of humanity in different ways from um, making sure that older folks had a, a Santa Claus, a, four, a four-legged Santa Claus to bring gifts and to inspire gift giving. All the people who chose to send gifts from around the country, all the workers in the hospitals and the nursing homes, you know, all the people in your circle and natives of Wilmington and the people who watched the news story about Harpo Saves Christmas. There will be a link in the um, show notes for that. So, you know, it was not just a very personal event and it was also a very personal event. Top three that came out of that horrible, wonderful ride. Wow. Nobody's ever asked me that. So I thank you for asking me that. Yes, you're right. 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 Like, thanks for asking me that. So I think even prior to losing the dogs and something I didn't realize until I lost them. So this could be a top three, right? Um, Prior to Harpo, I realized that I never really had a passion, right? I was just in survival mode. I was a single mom. I was working. I was worried about how to pay my bills from day to day. And then when Harpo came into my life. He made me a better person. Um, he he needed a job because he was destructive AF. Um, so he, <laughs> he needed something to do. So so I didn't have a passion. So by having him, I found that I am very passionate about helping other people. Um, I'm very passionate about people being having connection um, and feeling loved. And so. By having him and being able to volunteer with him, I realized that is a passion of mine. Um, so that was the first the first thing I learned. The second thing would be that I can do hard things. Um, I, I did not have it's not like I had this easy paved road growing up. I mean, I didn't have it's not like I lived this lavish lifestyle and and had everything handed to me. It was, I definitely had some childhood things that I, and I've done, had done hard things. However, this was hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was, this was to date the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And honestly, I hope it's the hardest thing I ever have to do. Um, So I realized I can do hard things and I can survive. So sometimes I hate the word resilience, um, because I feel like I'm the, also the poster child of that. Uh, so resilient. I realize that I'm very resilient and that I know that there will always be struggles, but uh, I can overcome those. And then the third silver lining of this is that I am no longer a protected, guarded person that lives in fear of being hurt. Um, because I did that and experienced the most hurt I've ever experienced in my life. 
right? So living in that way and being guarded that way, it doesn't prevent the hurt. It still comes, right? So if you live full out and you love full out, then you, yes, you probably will experience the hurt, but gosh, what you experience, the joy in the process of that love and that connection is so much more powerful than the the hurt. Man, you got me right in the gut on that one. You know, it's so true. You can be doing everything you can to keep yourself protected. And um, life has a way of just coming in and giving you something. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you really cannot control that. Like you can't control whether it's cloudy or sunny. Right. Yeah. If you focus on the things you can't control, you miss out on your whole life. Oh, gosh. Every day, every moment. Yep. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I want to know... Um, so you, you discovered that you actually were passionate and passionate about helping people. I know that you're still doing that now. Mm. So let's fast forward into like the every day, every moment where Melissa is living full out and loving hard and finding joy and um, resilient and putting up with the yucky stuff that life doles out. How does that passion flow through your day by day now. Yeah, that is so good too. Because so after, so I had, when I lost Harpo, I had, and Abby and Izzy, I had recently become licensed as a real estate agent and had no intention of ever pursuing that business. It was just for referrals to help my friends connect to good agents so they'd be taken care of. Well, in the process of losing the dogs, I needed something to do because I was going to lose my mind. So I started selling real estate and I was really good at it. I'm like, man, I like it. And it's because I love to help people. I think it's because I, you know, I connect with people and all the things. And so I started thinking, well, how can I tie this back to Harpo? And so one of my really good friends who's super creative, she was like, Melissa, let's rebrand. Let's name your business Harpo Properties. We will make everything purple because he was named after the color purple and and we're, she was like, and you are everybody's best friend. We're going to call you your best friend in real estate. And so me, I always have to go next level, right? And so I was like, yes, and we will save a dog in a shelter with every family we help. So every time we sell a house, um, we actually sponsor a dog in a shelter so it can find its home in Harpo's memory. So he still continues to touch lives. So that is the biggest thing that I do right now, I think that's what gives me passion. It, it just fuels me. I spent yesterday at the shelter and came home with zero dogs. So that's a win. Now, right? I do. Yeah. Crazy story. Somebody gifted me. Do you want me to tell this part of the story? Yeah. I love this part of the story. Okay. So, um, stop sign. I love this part of the story. Because it so beautifully demonstrates how the concept of live full out, which is so easy to say, right? Especially when you're grieving and you're in the midst of your own personal hell and, you know, people come up and like, like a meme to you say like, it's going to be okay, live full out. You want to just like choke the ever living out of them if you have the energy to do so. This is a beautiful example of what live full out really looks like sometimes even in the midst of grief and pain and learning. So yes, please. So the night that the night that heart, the dogs died, I knew pretty soon, almost immediately that Abby and Izzy weren't going to make it right. As soon as I see them, I'm like, they're, they're really bad. 
Harpo is still trying to get to me, trying. And so I'm like, gosh, does he have fight left in him? And long story short, he didn't. But right before I made the decision to end his life, I just was talking to him. I'm like, I need for you to tell me that this is okay. Like, this is the right thing to do. Like, I just need that from you. And this dog had little energy in him. And he found the the way to wrap his paw around my arm in the sweetest way that he had never done. And so I was like, and and he had tears in his eyes, honestly. Like, and at that point I, I knew, I knew that I had to let him go. And so I did. Well, in the midst of all these people messaging me, I keep getting this message from this one lady. And I was like, gosh, what does she want? And kind of <laughs> like, she's like, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. And I'm like, I, I cannot have another conversation right now. Right. Mind you, I'm being interviewed back to back to back. It is too much. She sends me a picture of this puppy with its paw wrapped around her arm in the exact way that Harpo wrapped his arm around me before he died. And it's not a common thing, right? It's, I'm around dogs all the time. So I was like, all right, I will meet this dog. Um, and so she's like, well, I live right outside of Charlotte. Y'all, I am actually going right outside of Charlotte the next weekend. When she sends me her address, it's a tenth of a mile from where I'm going that she has this dog. <laughs> well, I get there and um, I meet this dog that she swears is the dog for me. She just wants to give me this dog. She wants to do something nice for me. Her name is Pam Roberts. She's a real estate agent in the Charlotte area. Um, and she wants to do something nice for somebody with this dog. Well, I meet this dog and we do not like each other. We There's zero <laughs> connection. Like, she, this dog is more concerned with the breeder than with me. And so I was like, this isn't a match. The other dog, there's another dog and this dog is tearing up the couch. Well, remember I said Harpo was destructive AF. Well, this dog is tearing up the couch. I'm like, I want that dog. Like that looks like the dog I should have. Well, long story short, she decides to give me both dogs. So I have Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who I call Rue. She's my bad dog. The one that tears up the couch. And then Gracie, to remind myself to give myself some grace through the hard things. Um, grace is the dog that was meant for me. She was 100% right. Um, so she gives me both of these dogs and I bring them home. And that's also one of the top things that came out of this because these dogs mm -hmm. saved my life. I'm not even kidding. Like if it weren't for them, I probably wouldn't have gotten out of bed most days. That's awesome. I forgot the question though. Where were we going with that? Well, I don't know. I got stuck with like, the the story is just so beautiful, you know, that the and and for me, the signs are everywhere. Yes. The signs are everywhere. And 30-year-old me would have been like, that's crazy. 50-year-old me is like, no, the signs are everywhere. Keep your eyeballs open, open up your heart, be vulnerable, live life full out, love hard, you know, and the signs will smack you in the face. Well, and if I'm honest with you, when I was going to meet these dogs, I cried almost the whole way there. I was like, I am not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Because it was soon. It was 10 days. And now, mind you, I had gotten myself into therapy pretty quickly because I knew that I was spiraling out of control like I, I was. And so every therapist, one who had known who knew me. Um, he was like, you have got to get a dog. Like you have gone from having three dogs to no dogs. Like you have got to get a dog. I honestly think he was worried about me. Um, and so I come home with two dogs. Why not? I do everything big. Anybody that knows me, it is. I legit am go big or go home. Like that is my whole life. <laughs> it's always next level for me. Oh my gosh. 
So what? That's how, I, that's how I got my West Highland Terriers to the Westies, Abby and Izzy. I went for one and came home with two. So it really is a blessing that you can go to a dog shelter and not come home with a third. It's amazing. <laughs> so my new dogs, I call them my twin toddlers and my dad helps me with them because I am a pretty busy real estate agent. And um, he yesterday, he said, do not bring home more dogs. Do not bring home any more dogs. <laughs> so it impacts him if I bring home more dogs. So I didn't. That's awesome. Do you have any plans to um, get another therapy dog or to do that anymore? These two dogs could do it. Um, It's a trigger for me to go. I have tried to do a couple of things that I did with Harpo and it can trigger me to some degree. Um, I've become very aware of what my triggers are. um, and, And sometimes they can put me in a pretty dark place. So I don't know. I say I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure we will not do nursing homes again. I feel like that is something that I don't know that I will ever have. the. I, I just don't know that I'll be able to do that again. Um, there are other things, though, that I think we could do. Uh, I'm working with them uh, on getting them really used to children and maybe doing some more of the reading style programs. One of my favorite things to do with Harpo was the Special Olympics. And I think that I could do that with these dogs as well. So they have the training. Um, We could do it. I just have to get there. So one of the things I'm doing right now is writing a book about Harpo and our story and just his love and his legacy. And so that has been healing for me as well. So we'll see. We'll see what the next step is. I I do miss it. I have to tell you, I miss it a lot. Um, my heart still is a little broken at times. So it's one of those things where it can kind of put me in a space. You mean it's one of those things that you actually have to remember to give yourself grace about? Take it, when, take it when it's time to take it. Yes. God, yes. Because I will beat myself up a little bit about it. I'm like, gosh, you're so good at this. And you say this is what you're passionate about. Why aren't you doing it? Like I talk to myself like I would never talk to anybody else. (laughs) And and then I'm like, give yourself some grace. It's okay. It's, you know, it's only been a couple of years. Like it's, it's it's okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like such an amazing, um, intense experience when you go and you connect through this dog or you see the connection that the dog has with anybody really, whether it's a special Olympics participant or in the nursing home, that that's, that that takes energy, right? That takes, um, it takes a a lot to be present with that. Yes. And thank you for acknowledging that because that is a piece that people don't see. I think, I mean, there was a time that I had Harpo in the hospital and he would never jump on a patient's bed. But this day he, I mean, he drugged me through this door and jumped in this bed and just turned around and backed up into the lap of this young girl. Well, she had tried to end her life mm-hmm. and he knew, and he just jumped in her bed and, and all the social workers were there and, and she was bandaged on her arms and, and she just grabbed him and every bit of her sadness, he took that. And he and and for me to be present and to see her parents there so distraught and to be full on in that moment was so hard I I can tell you so many stories and that dog man he would continue to show up room after room after that but then he would just crash for days yeah like that those situations would really weight on him and it it was it was tough 
I think when we do um, get real vulnerable with people, especially in dark moments, you know, it is such a grand privilege um, and a a joy, you know, a a joy. You know, I remember sitting beside my dad as he died and um, what a joy sounds like an odd word, but man, I'd give my right eye tooth to be with him as he died. Mm-hmm. You know, what a privilege never to pass up. And when you can be a person who can be in that space with those other people, um, it does take energy and it gives energy. It's so, big. Yeah. It's go big or go home. <laughs> it's it's, I'm not just on the sidelines watching you. I'm right beside you. I'm with you. Right. Right. And Fran, you say that, you know, you talk about like working with the dog, these new dogs and, and it is such a gift, right? And it's something that I never took for granted. I always realized what a gift it was for people to invite me into that space Mm -hmm. and to trust me enough to be in that space, but to also connect with me. I mean, the residents in that nursing home, I mean, they called me their daughter or their granddaughter. They, I had eight by 10 pictures of Harpo printed and framed for so his little face was all over that nursing home. Like um, they called him his their grandson. So there was just such a connection. I mean, so many of them wanted to name me as their emergency contact person. I'm like, no, we can't do that because I can't make decisions for you. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just such a privilege and it's such an honor. And I do want to be in that space again. And I'm so ready for that to happen. Um, but I'm also not ready for that to happen. So I just have to give myself the grace and get there when I can. Yeah. So as you're saying that, I'm wondering if, I mean, the the loss of Harpo and your other dogs is excruciating, but you also lost in some way the connection with all of those people, right? You lost that whole thing that was giving you so much. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's another kind of layer of grief that I, I think you know, is, is easy to overlook. I've never addressed that. Yeah. I have never addressed that. And you are correct. Those were people that I saw on a weekly, twice a week basis, and I don't see them anymore. Um, I can't imagine walking into that particular nursing home. I just can't. I mean, going to the Miracle League baseball game here the very first time after losing him almost destroyed me. I mean, I remember walking up and going back to my car and sitting in there and crying. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I did. I lost that. And I definitely miss those people. They were huge in my life. Yes. And I'm sure they miss me too. And yes. Yeah. That's that's tough. Yeah. And I bet you, if you look, there's a couple other things you miss too. I'm sure. I'm sure it's like- punch, you know, you, you grieve for the future you think you're going to have, you grieve for the, you know, people not in your life or the dogs not in your life. You, I mean, it just is so multifaceted. It and really is like an upgrade. You, you'll peel off the layers when it's time for you to peel that layer off. Yeah. Wow. Like that is something, honestly, that's something I've never thought about. Friend, I can imagine myself uh, journaling about that in the coming weeks because that is a piece I've never taken into consideration. And wow. Wow. Could that be the piece that's missing too, for me wanting to volunteer with these new dogs? You know, maybe I haven't even considered that. Right. I'm thinking from this point of, oh my gosh, I can't walk into the space, but what if it is 
oh my gosh, I can walk into this space and feel this incredible love from these people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something I haven't even considered. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you for that. Of, of course. I'm, um, and when you know, we, I'm dying for a rough draft of your book. Like, you know, I mean, it sounds like it's go, you put so much thought and knowledge and love into processing all of this. And so I imagine what you are. And also when we speak, we process things very differently than how, when we write. And so um, I would imagine what you're creating through that book is going to be magical to many people. And yeah. So I'm really excited forward to Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good. My original intent of the book was to tell a dog story that wasn't sad. Right. I started this prior to losing him. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to tell this. It's going to be a great story. And the dog lives and then the dog dies. Mm. Um, so my book is not going to be focused on the death. It is it's literally the life, love and legacy of Harpo. And so it's all the things, not just that middle piece. It's the before because the before is amazing. But you know what? The after is also really amazing. Yeah. Um, to every time I put up a, a real estate sign, a for sale sign that has his face on it, because my logo is his face. Um, I, I'm just like, man, look at you. Like you're still walking this journey with me. You still walk with me. I love that. He sounds like an amazing, amazing dog. Amazing. He was being. And an amazing owner and um, a whole journey. Yeah, it's been a journey, right? It's crazy that I only had him for six years. I'm just like, wow, what an impact. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anything else to wrap? I think, Fran, anything for you? You've got some really great insights and questions as usual. Um, I, I, I am just so grateful mm. for you, Melissa, for all, all you've done um, and all the people you've touched um, and for being here with us and sharing um, and being open and, you know, just thank you for thank that. You. I don't have, I mean, I don't have any other questions. Is there anything that we did not ask about um, or that didn't come up that you feel like is really important for people to know? I think if we look at the mental health side of this, because I, um, I will say mental health is something that I've always known about, but never struggled with. Right. And then I was thrown right in the middle of this depression and, you know, actively seeking help, which was difficult at times. It really was. Um, I think my biggest piece of advice for people who ever feel like they're going through something that they just don't see the end of is just choose yourself. Don't give up on yourself. Like there is help. There are people that care. There are people that are willing to wrap their arms around you and help you get to the next space. There are also people who aren't. And we have to know that. And you also have to set boundaries around that. And, and again, choose yourself. Just, I am so thankful that I chose myself every day. And there were days that I did not want to, that I could have chosen other people or done what other people wanted but at the end of the day, it was like, you have to choose yourself. And if you don't choose yourself, you cannot get better. So, you know, life can be hard. Sometimes we get dealt things that seem so unfair. But if we can just tread through that gracefully with ourselves, then we will see that on the other side. We just have to be willing to dig in and do the work. 
Yeah. And like what you said at the beginning, like sometimes that takes getting through the next five minutes, getting yes. through the next hour, you know, just focusing on that, you know, God, continuing yes. to breathe, continuing to just, just be, um, and reach you know, reaching, reaching out to people who you trust and trusting that they're going to be there. Like there's so many layers, um, mm -hmm. when we are deep in grief. Yeah. Anybody that is, there's a book called it's okay that you're not okay. That book saved my life. Uh, that book is, and she talks a lot about that. Like just getting to the next, you know, when you have surgery, right. And you're in a lot of pain, you're waiting for that next moment where you can take that something to help with the pain, right. Or put the ice pack on or whatever. It really is this with your grief. Like, can you just get to that next moment? Just get to the next moment. That's all you've got to do is get to that next moment. Yeah, Ooh. but I do think the difference, there, like with the physical pain and the mental pain, is that the physical pain is people get, people understand that, right? Right. Um, the mental pain can be very isolating. So um, isolating. Yeah, and it's it's you know when you talk about like that the ice pack or the next day, like it's it. I think people can very easily fall into um, the fall fall into like you know maybe having a drink a night will help me or me, you know, so there's all these pitfalls along the way. And so I love the way that you, um, that you manage this, which is taking, you know, really taking risks and reaching out and connecting with people and, and walking through the grief. Um, so it, yeah, and you I are an inspiration as well as Harpo. Oh, like I think the connect the, whatever you two created, the synergy that you created, um, is rare and powerful. Mm -hmm. He made me better. I mean, that is no doubt like he and honestly had I, I, I couldn't have walked through something like this without losing him. Right. But had I not met him, I would have never. Been. It's just a really weird like cycle of events. So it just I can't imagine ever going through something like this without having walked that part of my life with him. Oh, that's beautiful. And I, I, I always say it's perfect in every way. Everything perfect. Mm -hmm. The first time I met you, you said that to me and I wrote that down. That's actually written on my bathroom mirror. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, because I'm like, okay, it's okay. Like everything is perfect. Like it's, 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 it's okay. Like we just have to just be okay with it. Everything is perfect. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's been perfect that we've had this conversation today. Um, if, if uh, just to have full disclosure, you know, we always send, for our listeners to know, we always send out an email to our guests that says like, hey, what don't you want to talk about? What, you know, what do you want to talk about? And Melissa sent back the like, oh, it's all good. <laughs> so, and most actually, most of the guests on our show do because we have vulnerable people who are ready to, they're already making an impact in the world. And you don't make that impact when you are stonewalled up. Mm. Mm. So, um, so again, I just appreciate you being with us and you being vulnerable and being the person you are. Thank you both so much. It was a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. So if, if you, if anyone out there is listening and, and likes, um, or enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, add a comment. We will have all the links for all the things that, um, Melissa has mentioned so those will all be in the um in the show in the notes
So thank you again, Wilson. This has been wonderful. Thank you. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.